Well, boys and girls, were you able to follow along with your handout there of the Bible reading that Brock did? You'll notice that there were some words missing. Uh, There was a box there. And uh, if you like to draw, you could draw a picture that represents the missing word or write down the missing word if you know what it is. You might need to look it up in the Bible that mum or dad is using next to you. We were listening then to James 3 and James 3 makes some sharp observations about words. James is someone who uh, listens to what is said round about him. Or using words to put our first, ourselves first. Or using our words to speak over other people and interrupt them. Or stop other people from hearing words. James says that all of us will stumble. We've already seen a demonstration this morning of the strongest muscle in the room. The tongue. A small spark that can ignite a great forest fire. A small tongue that can destroy lives and relationships. Have you ever felt like your tongue is out of control? Sometimes you reflect back on on things that you said and why did I say that? How did those words just keep coming out? Like a wildfire. So see what James says in verses 7 and 8. No one can tame the tongue. Verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, Reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Now yesterday afternoon at Big Day Out, we had a challenge in our teams to build a tower using flimsy materials. To build a tower that would suspend a raw egg off the ground. The winning team did 1,680 millimetres off the ground. An amazing feat to take these flimsy materials and make a secure, stable tower that might hold an egg up. Now, that tower passed the test, but it would not have passed the test of an of an earthquake or a, or a strong wind or here in these verses though James describes the tongue as being restless the word he uses there is a is a word that can mean unstable it's it's flimsy it's unpredictable at any moment it could collapse he said that's what the human tongue is like he says it's also a deadly poison The human tongue is more venomous than a deadly taipan snake. We do need to worry about sticks and stones that people might throw at us. But just as, even more, as much as we worry about sticks and stones, we need to worry about what comes out of our mouths. Our mouths, verse 9 are so crafty that we can do two things at once. But, but really, we shouldn't. Verse 9, 
With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. There's all kinds of clever tricks we can do with our mouths or our tongues doing two things at once. I, I think about didgeridoo playing and, and things like that or, 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 or beatboxing. That's the best I can do. But James says that all of us who know God can do two things at once. We can praise God and we can curse one another at the same time. We can say wonderful things about God and to God while at the same time saying things to one another and about one another that hurt. James says we shouldn't do it. If we want to spit out fresh water from our mouths, life-giving water, we need to have a fresh heart and mind. Verse 13. Verse 11, actually. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. If we want to spit out fresh water words, life-giving words. They need to come from a fresh heart and a mind. Need to clean out our attitudes and the actions of the heart that we read about in verses 14 to 16. Children, I hope you've gotten some way through drawing those uh, pictures. We're now down to verse 14. And you might like to circle the negative attitudes and actions that we're going to read about here. The ones that we need to clean out of our hearts. Verse 14, follow along with me please. But if you harbour bitter, envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthly unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Did you find one or two negative things there, attitudes or actions that that we need to clean out of our hearts? Plenty of circling there for those who are using pens or pencils. In verses 17 and 18, James tells us, that a fresh heart and mind is filled with God's wisdom. Boys and girls, this time you can circle these words. Verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. We need this wisdom. We need this wisdom to be cleaning out those negative attitudes and actions and putting in those positive ones that James talks about. 
and it comes via wisdom. And James tells us back in chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God will help us. God will generously give us the wisdom that we need to speak well. God will help us in the way that we speak to our family. God will help us in the way that we speak to our school teachers. God will help us in the way that we speak to our friends, how we speak to people that we don't like, how we speak to work colleagues. God will help us in the way that we speak to other drivers on the road. God will help us in the way that we speak to referees and umpires. God will help us in the way that we speak about other people. God will help us to stop swearing and slandering. God will help us to turn down the volume on the words that are lewd and lies. God will help us hold back words that are boastful and biting. James says to us, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. One of my friends, I told you a couple of weeks ago, says it like this. Taste your words before you spit them out. Taste your words before you spit them out. Now, children, on the bottom of your page there, I've got that saying, and you might like to draw some tasty food round about that and perhaps write down some good words that you can say that praise God and build others up. In our pantry at home, we have lots of containers with ingredients in them. Ingredients that we can use for cooking and all kinds of different things. Some of our containers don't have labels on them. And some of our containers have labels on them that have a different food in them to what's on the label. Now, Naomi always knows exactly what is in every single container, uh, no matter what the label says. I don't. Uh, I need to yell out from the pantry to Naomi, what's in the container that's fourth one down from the top on the left-hand side that's white? Or, or sometimes I'll take a photo if she's out. I'll take a photo of it on my, on my phone and send it to her and go, what's this in this container? One of the reasons I've got to do that is I don't like the taste test. I don't like tasting something that might not be what I think it's going to be. And if you've got sugar and salt, it's really easy to... T- while they might not look very different to me, they taste really different, don't they? But I don't really want to lick my finger and stick it into the salt thinking that I'm going to taste uh, a sugar. You need to be able to uh, taste them to tell them apart. So I- I'm wondering if I might be able to get uh, three children who'd like to do a bit of taste testing here. Uh, so uh, would, you, would you like to go first? Um, uh, these, these two are kind of the same colour. You might just want to dip your finger in and taste a little bit. Can you, can you tell the difference between those, those two things there? What? That's a screwed up face. Any thought what it is? 
Maple syrup. Maple syrup, maybe? Yeah, okay. What's in the other one? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know where it came from. It came out, it came out of this one. There's a little bit of it. Maybe it's salsa or tomato-y sauce or paste. It's a bit tomato-y. Okay. Do they taste different? Maple syrup and some kind of tomato paste? Yeah, you can taste the difference, even though they look a little bit the same. Uh, how about you? I've got... Um, oh, this, one, this one's probably a little bit tricky. I can't see any difference between these two white powders. Um, do you want to dip a finger in each one and taste them and see if you can tell me what the difference is or at least be able to tell that there is a difference? So you're not going for very much, just one grain? I think this is flour. Oh, you think it's flour. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, what do you think the other one might be? You're gonna, well, you can taste it to see if it is different. It might be flour as well. Can you taste the difference between self-raising flour and plain flour? No. Yes? No? Some people are. You know the real chefs. Yes. Of course you can. What do you think that one is? I don't know. Does it taste different to the... Oh, you're wiping it off your tongue, so it definitely tastes different. I think that might be... Oh, hang on. There is a label here. Might it be bicarb soda? Yeah, yeah, that's not much fun. Okay, thanks. Do you want to grab a, grab a seat? Now, last of all, we've got, we've got two more here, grainy, white grainy ones. What do you think they might be? Well, well, have a taste to see if they taste the same or taste different. I think that one's salt. You think that one's salt? Oh, uh, excellent. Okay, we'll put the salt. Oh, I spilt it. Salt there. And what do you think this one might be then? I think that's sugar. And that one's sugar. They're different. Okay, they look exactly the same, don't they? But you can clearly taste the difference. Go and grab a seat. Thank you for your help. If you want to know the difference between ingredients that look the same in your pantry that might or might not have labels or wrong labels, you need to taste them before you put them into your cake or your cup of tea or onto your pancakes. If you and I want to speak well, we need to taste our words before we spit them out. And we'll only develop a taste for tasty words if we've first tasted Jesus and we continue to feed on him. Have a listen to these words from Psalm 119, verse 103. This psalmist here is reflecting on God's good law. He says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Or in Psalm 34, the psalmist is talking about God himself. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. This morning as we finish up, we're going to share together in the Lord's Supper. It's a symbolic meal that's been given to us by Jesus to taste. To taste by faith our sin and its repentance. To remember it right there and then, right here and now. In sharing together in the Lord's Supper, we taste the forgiveness of sins. We taste faith in Jesus we taste new life with Jesus. We taste fellowship with one another. 
Now, I need to discourage some of you this morning from eating and drinking. Because if you are only going to eat and drink to taste white bread and taste a bit of apple and black currant juice, it's best that you just watch on. God warns us in the Bible along these lines, if you're going to eat and drink to taste Jesus' forgiveness without turning away from sin in your life, it's best that you don't eat and drink. If you're going to eat and drink to taste salvation with Jesus, but without letting Jesus rule over some parts of your life, it's best that you don't eat and drink. If you're going to eat and drink to taste a better life or, or feel like you might be accepted in church without truly tasting Jesus, it's best you don't eat and drink. God warns us with these words in 1 Corinthians, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have died. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. My brothers and sisters in the faith, children present with us of promise, if you are turning from your sin, if you are trusting in Jesus, if you are living by the Holy Spirit, and hoping in new life. Please do eat and drink. And today, may you taste the Lord and know that He is good. The Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.'" 